Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. So we're going to jump back into chapter five. I actually, uh, we began this conversation on Tuesday. If you guys have anything at all, please don't hesitate to interject. I like your ideas and opinions. I want to hear from you. So chapter five talks all about entrepreneurship. And uh, some of these slides, you like this, this is our main slide for each section. So you'll see some duplication and I'll kind of skip over it and move along. But I'm going to do a very brief recap uh, because we still have some more content to get to. But we talked about entrepreneurship is basically a risk taker. Somebody that's willing to say, I have an idea for a product or service. I believe it's viable in the market. I believe the market uh, will value this product or service and pay me for my time and talent to provide this product or service to that marketplace. Uh, and they are willing to put up time, talent, and resources in order to provide that, that, inform- or that uh, product or service to the market. It is a risk, though. And I think the stat we looked at on Tuesday is that it's about a 50-50 coin toss if you're going to make it to the five-year mark. But if you can make it through those initial five years, it's not a guarantee, but you're a lot more likely to survive longer term beyond that. Um, And I've seen some companies that keep hanging on year after year, even though I can't understand how they're still in business. Have you ever walked into a business and think, how does this business make it? I mean, honestly, like, I mean, like, I'm going to give you an example. I used to live in Clinton, and there was a, a a hunting sporting goods shop that opened. And Sampson County and surrounding counties are big on hunting and sporting goods. But Walmart was like literally one mile down the road. And I'm thinking, how does an independent shop like this make it? You know, when you've got basically a lot of similar supplies that you can get at Walmart. Maybe you can get some more stuff here, but, you know, you know the prices are going to be higher. How does this, why would you think this is a good idea? It didn't make it. It folded very quickly. So, and I've seen a lot of businesses do that. Have you ever seen something like that where... Somebody opens up a business, they put a lot of effort into it, and then it just not work out. Anything come to mind? Restaurants do it all the time. I see that. that, that people Restaurants pop up, don't work out, and go, go down. Nothing comes to mind? What you got? I actually helped a friend. Okay. Like, what is it? Floral. floral flowers, okay. Yeah. How'd it go? Um, it closed. Okay. Like, what do you think? Right. Sure. What do you think was the, the leading contributors to the closing it? Um, there was already several places right. that offered the services at a, a lower price. Sure. And her advertising just wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes I look at. You got something, Ricky? No, I thought you did. Okay. Sometimes I look at small business, and I know they're legitimately trying to, to do something and they believe in their product, but um, they need help in the, the Department of Advertising or, or image, you know, business image. So it's tough. It really is. Uh, I actually watched some Shark Tank last night and I always love, no matter what's being said, like no matter what the product is, I like to see reactions that if it's really good or really bad. And I learned from stuff like that to see, you know, you, you really got to identify that niche. Is it going to be something the market wants? And if you don't, if it's not, the market's going to tell you very quickly, hey, we don't want what you got. So you've got to make it very convenient for your customer 
to get your product or service. If it's an inconvenience, if it's more expensive, you're already fighting up against a, a large mountain that you have to overcome. If it's going to be more expensive, you have to really have to justify that expense. You know, there's a company um, that I've bought a handkerchief from. You know, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks has a son named Colin Hanks. Colin Hanks started a handkerchief company. It's called Hanks Kerchiefs. Very you know catchy name. Well, I heard about it. I guess a couple years ago now, and I bought one. They're more expensive. But they are a better quality, you know. And I actually have had many handkerchiefs over my my life, but I've really kept up with this one because uh, it's more expensive, and I perceive the quality to be better. And I want to like keep a hold of it because it's something that you know I paid a little bit more money for. So if you've got something that you're charging more for, you need to make sure that the value add is there for the customer. Otherwise, they're going to default to a cheaper option. You know, like if they can find out, hey, I can get this for cheaper. Why wouldn't I go with the cheaper option? What What's the difference? Why should I pay more for your product or service? Uh, and you see that uh, happen over and over again. This is why we put up with uh, dirty stores and bad customer service experiences at Walmart or going to slot number one at McDonald's. We put up with that because Happy Meals are three bucks, you know, or drinks are a dollar, whatever it may be. And so... Uh, if you're going to be a more premium or more expensive product, you've got to really uh, identify your customer and know and let them know why they're willing to put up more money. So we talked about classic entrepreneurs, multipreneurs who have a number of uh, different types of uh, businesses they run, and then entrepreneurs who are uh, entrepreneurs within a company. So a company can identify an individual and say, you obviously have a lot of enthusiasm and talent, and you are very knowledgeable about this. We want to open up another company, and we want to do it under the umbrella of this company. We want you to head it up. Go. We'll pay you a salary as a CEO. You know, make that happen. And so that is a viable business model. Uh, so we talked about ideas or why people become entrepreneurs, the challenge of building a business, desire to control their own destiny, financial independence, frustration of working for somebody else, personal satisfaction with their work, and creating a lifestyle they want. Being an entrepreneur is not easy. It's, it's definitely not. Um, my dad has been an entrepreneur pretty much my whole life, and the stress is very real. I mean, because, uh, and I've actually done some interviews with local business owners or leaders. Um, I had an interview series going that I was trying to do annually every semester until COVID kind of messed that up, but I'm hoping to get it going again maybe in the spring. We actually had um, Kenny Moore come in from Highway 55. Uh, it used to be Andy's. He came and talked to us uh, and did, a, did an interview for us. And um, Patricia De La Mott, I sent that out in the email yesterday. She was the owner of Once Upon a Child uh, and Buck's Fire Extinguishers. Um, Mr. Ralph Legrand, who's Mrs. Legrand's husband, talked to us about that company. And it's really interesting to hear uh, the insight that these entrepreneurs have because you start to see themes emerge. And one of the themes that stands out for entrepreneurs is that they're self-starters, they don't like to be told what to do. They like to do it themselves and go. Um, they're highly energetic and enthusiastic, uh, and they're able to multitask and make things happen, you know. Uh, but it's, it's always fascinating. Like Andy's now, or Highway 55 has, around 130 restaurants, I think, something like maybe more. Um, and it all started right here in Goldsboro uh, at the Goldsboro Mall. That was their first location. And so um, they've actually got a new model store with a kind of a retro look to it in Mount Olive, so, yeah, we're going to continue to talk about entrepreneurs over the course of the class, and I'm, I'm hoping we can pull in some more real examples. But, um, so, but I just on that last one, creating the lifestyle they want, it's not easy. 
with your friend's flower business, was there a lot of stress involved in that? I think so. Yeah. Did it? Did she have in the first few months? Did she feel fulfilled by it though? Was it was it working in the beginning, or was it never really working that well? I don't think it was ever really working. I don't think she was actually cut out for it. She's right. Not really a, a people person. I got you. Yeah. So I yeah, you need to be an extrovert to be an entrepreneur or you need to pretend to be one, you know, <laughs> because believe it or not, I'm an introvert personally. I know you wouldn't believe that. In fact, if you look at my personality uh, test, I've taken it multiple times and I always get almost exactly the same outcome, which is I'm right in the middle of introvert, extrovert, meaning that I can be an extrovert like I'm doing right now and talking to you guys. But if I'm on my own personal time, I prefer to like sit in the shell and read it, read or watch a movie or do my own thing, you know. So yeah, um, but you need to either be an extrovert or pretend to be one because uh, you've got to interact with the customers, the public, and the people that are uh, shareholders or stakeholders in your company. So we talked about these personality traits: ambitious, independent, self-confident, a risk taker, visionary, creative, energetic, passionate, and committed. Um, it's amazing though what you can accomplish just by making something happen, uh, you know. I'm actually, this is not a company, but I'm working with East Carolina University right now. They've started an initiative that was funded by Duke Endowment Grants. I'm consulting on it to do uh, basically this program called Farm to Clinic, where they're taking uh, produce that we recover that would have gone to waste otherwise and being able to get it to communities in need. And this whole thing was bootstrapped by people just having ideas and putting one step in front of the other to, to make it come into existence. And now they've got a physical location uh, where they can accept uh, food deliveries and, and get those out. They've actually got a food truck too. And it all happened just by uh, these things, people having ideas and consistently setting goals and moving forward into the future. And so same thing is true for personal goals and business goals. Um, so small business, I, I'm not gonna go through all these stats again on what is it, how it's defined. Uh, the general takeaway is that each state has a different definition as to what is how it views a small business. Um, and so size standards are based on activity and industry. Um, so this is kind of where we left off, I believe, yeah. So um, this idea of getting started, 75% involve brand new organizations. These are not franchises or existing companies. These are brand new startups. And... The great thing about being a sole proprietor, that's how a lot of companies start, like your friend with the flower business. She just one day said, I want to be uh, a flower person, right? And so I'm going to start a flower business. And uh, you don't have to go through any special circumstances to do that. You can just say, I'm going to go into business. I'm going to get this product or service and make it happen. Uh, but uh, the downside of that is the risk involved. I mean, I don't know how much money she put up, you know, maybe, maybe very little, but... Um, you also have to establish yourself in the market because customers don't know, you know, like, look, you hear that thing in retail, location, 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 opening up a, a storefront on this street or Berkeley is probably a great location, but not always guaranteed that it's going to be successful because I've seen businesses fail on both streets. But if I put a location, you know, five miles outside of town in the middle of nowhere where nobody can see it, nobody drives by it. Yeah, that's not, that's not going to, it may be cheaper on the rent, but it's not going to be good from a, uh, a customer visibility standpoint and a customer access standpoint. Remember, you want to make it easy as possible for customers to interact with your business. Um, and there's this thing in marketing, some of you may have taken marketing, that customers have to see something or hear about something, they have to have about 30 interactions, give or take. 
So I see that commercial for this product over and over again, and eventually I say, you know what? I'm gonna try that product. Has anybody ever seen an ad on social media for a product that just kept reoccurring? And you may, if you click on an ad, you've done it. Because what will happen is the social media aggregator will now say, you know, this person likes this particular type of product and they'll send you more product recommendations. Like I'll click on that on Facebook. I, I, bought, I buy things on Facebook occasionally. Um, I never, just as a, a pro tip on this, if you click on that on Facebook, make sure you can view it. But if you ever wanted to buy something, actually leave Facebook or social media, go to a browser and go to that company's website through the browser because uh, they that can be a scam. You know, they can set up a fake website and a fake uh, uh, link on, on a social media site just to get your credit card information or whatever. So, uh, but in any case, yeah, if I click on like a protein bar on Facebook, even if I don't buy, I'm going to start seeing more ads for health and nutrition stuff, you know, uh, and that's, that's, just, that's the way they, they've aggregated it. So, so getting started, we talked about these different types of things uh, that you need to do, checklist for getting started, identify your reasons. You need to know, why am I doing this? If you're not highly motivated, then in business we say if you're not hungry, you're not going to go after it as, as aggressively. I mean, like, if there's a low bar for you to say, you know, if this works, great. If it doesn't work, I don't care. Then you shouldn't, you shouldn't pursue it any further. You know, you need to have some quote-unquote skin in the game, meaning that you feel like you want to be passionate and move this product or service forward. If you're not passionate about it, about it if you're not thinking about it daily, um, then you really should strongly consider not doing it. Uh, it needs to be something that you feel so passionate about that whether it fails or succeeds, you can't not do it. You've got to, you've got to pursue that path. Even if it fails, you're going to learn things. Uh, many entrepreneurs have failures in their past. They, they, they'll tell you about all these horror stories of when things went wrong. Steve Jobs, anybody know that name? Apple CEO, former uh, founder of Apple. When he got fired from Apple, the company he founded, he started a new company called Next Computers. Anybody remember these? You really don't remember them because they were not popular at all and it was a total flop. But he, he left Apple, started Next, flopped. Then he got hired back at Apple, and then they came out with the iPod. Remember the old iPod with the dial on it? Anybody ever have one of those? No? no? You did? The, like the big one, the, the brick that spun around? Was it cool? I, I, don't, I never had one. Yeah. Um, I, oh yeah. The first iPod I got was called the Shuffle. It was basically a flash drive that had buttons on it, and you would just plug it into your computer on iTunes, and it would download music to it. And then I got one of those Shuffle clips that clip to your shirt. You know, those were cool. I like those. Um, but you know, with the the phones these days, you don't need that stuff. So, so identify your reason. Self analysis. I was writing something earlier about being brutally honest with yourself. You got to do this. You got to like ask yourself, you know, am I able to do this? Do I feel confident to do this? Is my product or service in, is going to be in demand? Is there an unbet need in the market? You need to be able to answer those questions honestly. The enjoyment and desire to do something alone is not always a good reason to do something. I mentioned uh, Beth's Country Store on Tuesday. She opened that store with no expectation that she would make a lot of money. She just wanted to have something to do to interact with people and, and enjoy cooking. She didn't make a lot of money. She told us that. But um, for her, that worked. 
but you need to have realistic expectations on, on what your company can do and what you want it to do. Personal skills and experience, finding a niche, conduct market research. I was at Myrtle Beach one time standing in, uh, where was I at? Barefoot, no, it barefoot. It was Broadway at the beach. And these guys were passing out $5 bills. They were real $5 bills. And I'm looking at these guys passing out $5 bills and I'm wondering what is the catch? They were doing market research. They had about $1,000 worth of $5 bills. And instead of like doing Facebook ads, trying to collect market research, they were actually asking people directly, sir or ma'am, will you answer one question for $5? And I thought it was a gimmick. So I was like, no, not interested. So I just went and sat on a bench and watched these interactions. And what they were trying to determine is, was the marketing they were doing now effective at informing people about whatever business they were doing? And so they would give them the $5 and say, do you mind answering one more question? <laughs> that was the gimmick, I guess. So they did answer, you know, or not the one more question. So basically getting two questions for five bucks, but that was the market research. And I'm not suggesting that you do the same, but uh, you need to do your homework before opening a business and find out as the flower example, who's up my competition? What makes me better? What makes customers think, you know, I see these other people doing it. Why should they call on me to do this? So that needs to be a primary question. What's going to drive customers to my door versus their competitor's door? And so um, the McDonald's example I was talking about earlier, eventually I'm going to say, or I might make these subconscious decisions. You know what? It's not worth it for me to go to McDonald's Day. I'd rather pay Wendy's a few bucks more than deal with the, that, you know, that mess. And so customers do that all the time, you know? And so uh, if you have a bad experience somewhere, you're, you're likely to tell 10 times more people than if you have a good experience. If I go through a drive through and had a great experience, I tell no one, I don't care. But if I have a bad experience like I just did and told you about, I share it with all you guys and you guys might go home and say, how was school today? Well, my teacher told me the story of McDonald's and everybody can relate to that, right? So write a business plan. That's a big one. A lot of people skip this step. You wanna have it in writing how this thing is going to work and what kind of timeline you can expect for these pieces of the puzzle to fall into place. The best businesses on earth are very logistically sound. They know when, where, and how things are going to happen. Uh, they can go ahead and forecast and model things out, you know, one month, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, and multiple years beyond that. I mean, Apple just had product launch a week ago. You better believe two, three, four years from now, they've got it planned new products that they're going to come out with and what they're going to look like. Uh, how are you going to fund your business? That's also a big question. That's problematic. I, I mentioned on Tuesday, my personal recommendation is to fund it yourself. Don't rely on debt. Uh, sometimes uh, people choose to go the debt route. It really depends on the individual and the context uh, for that. But um, if not having debt lowers your risk. If you save and, and, and create $10,000 that you put your energy into, takes you a year or two, whatever. Uh, if you're willing to risk that $10,000 on a business venture, then uh, that is the limit of your risk, that 10 grand. But if you're willing to take on debt, then you're saying, I'm willing to risk future energy expansion in order to pull down this money now. And if the business fails, I'm still gonna have to pay back that, that debt. So 80% so of the ideas for their company while working in the same or related industry I met a government contractor one time. He ran a multi-million dollar company and he got the idea for his company while he was in the military. He said, I'm in the military, I'm doing this job, 
But when I get out of the military, I can do this exact same job but be a government contractor. And I can submit bids to the government to do this same exact job, uh, but they will pay me, you know, millions of dollars a year to do it. And guess what? It worked. That's what he does now. He's a government contractor. That's his company. And it's directly related to what he did in that industry before. Um, starting in the field, your experience improves your chance of success. Yeah, don't think that you can have zero restaurant experience and open up a restaurant and not have a huge learning curve. You know, like, I'm not saying it can't happen. It, it can, you know, but you need to have realistic expectation and have some knowledge of what to expect. A lot of franchise restaurants require their owners to go through a boot camp or training course so they can be familiar with how all this, these things work. They need to know how to make every sandwich or, or prepare every plate uh, because they may be called upon to do that stuff. Sources of inspiration, personal experience with, cons uh, with consumer, hobbies and personal interests, suggestion from customers, family and friends, industry conferences and co uh, college courses. I need to find somebody that can make an app. And the app would be kind of like Yelp, but it would be basically like complaints from restaurants and you would just like if like if i had a pull forward experience like everybody could go in right then and you would vote right then uh, did you have a pull forward experience at mcdonald's yes and it would automatically tweet it out or send it out on social media hey those types of things would change business behaviors mcdonald's would freak and think okay well this app's been downloaded millions of times people are voting on their experiences every time you know, like in real time, basically, we're getting feedback on, and it's going out on multiple social media sites. Yeah, what's up? I don't know, though. I really feel like they don't know, like you said. They just... They don't care because... They just have this... Yeah. They are leading us instead of us leading them. And it should be the other way around. The customer should dictate what the business does. Go. What you got? McDonald's. One time, I went to McDonald's, and I went to a window, and I gave her my card, and uh, she was like, uh, here goes your card, and the manager came she was like, the little credit card, the thing, whatever it is, she was like, the whole system crashed. Oh, man. And I was like, so how am I going to get my food? She was like, just get it for free. There you go. Yeah. Th that, you know, I've never worked for McDonald's. I've had students that tell me about their experience. And the food is so cheap to prepare, to make. The labor is way more expensive than the food cost. Like, I have no idea. How much do you think it costs to make one chicken McNugget, as an example? What do you think? Probably not. Three cents, what do you think? 25 cents per nugget? What do you guys think? I'm thinking like 10 cent a nugget? I, I, hate, I hate to be the voice of like, uh, what do you think? You're shaking your head. I'm thinking like 10 nuggets for a penny. Seriously. I'm saying like, think about how many nuggets are eaten in America every day. I, millions and millions and millions. I'm thinking they could crank these things out dozens for a penny you know like it's so cheap because they've got such scale and you know i don't know what have you ever seen the pink slime video on mcdonald's what goes into mcdonald's nuggets not 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 appetizing right what's up i mean i haven't seen it but, but you know about it yeah uh, uh-huh it's real yeah so basically when you eat a mcnugget you're eating a processed food item. It's not, you know, like the chicken doesn't have a nugget on it, you know, that they, they, they get, right? They, they process the meat and they put a lot of additives into it to kind of bow it out and, and, and make it. 
they basically they engineer it to be addictive too. Like uh, if you smoke a cigarette, you're, you're, that ammonia chemistry is going right to your brain and say, "Yep, yeah, you know what? You need another cigarette." When you eat a Dorito, anybody like Doritos or or uh, what's the other like Cheetos? The crunch. Who likes? Well, you like crunchy Cheetos or the cheese puffs? Which way? The puff. Both. Both. I'm probably a crunchy person. What's up? What you think, Quentin? Both. You like? Mm, I don't know. Would you rather eat a che a crunchy Cheeto or I a? Mean, the puff. I mean, I don't know. You got the crunchy. Do uh, would you rather eat a crunchy uh, Cheeto or a Dorito? Which way are you gonna go? Doritos. Yeah, Doritos like the top shelf. My kids love Doritos. But Doritos are scientifically engineered to uh, appeal to all your uh, like evolutionarily uh, like food desires. It's salty. It's sweet. It's got umami flavor. It's crunchy. It's got fat in it. it it's got salt flavor. I mean, it, hit, it hits everything. You know, it hits all those flavors at once. So when you eat it, your brain says, oh, my God, I'm in love, you know. And, like, my kids love Doritos. I, I mean, I try to limit their intake. Sometimes my son will take the bag and start running, you know, like, but I try to, like, stop that. But, yeah, uh, the same thing's true, like, uh, with these McNuggets. They are genetically, or not genetically, but they're engineered to appeal to your senses. So, um, excellent way to keep up with trends is by reading entrepreneurship and small business magazines. I have a friend, uh, friend and ex, ex actually helped with, uh, some, some like sales of his company, but he started a billboard company. Um, he thought he, he read about it. He, he kind of got interested in it. And so he started actually investing in building billboards. And the last time I talked to him, I think he's got 10 or 12 billboards up now. They're very expensive to start. I mean, you're talking, I don't want to, I don't want to throw the number off, but it's somewhere around 30 to 50,000 to start a billboard. And there's a lot of licensing slash real estate things that have to happen like you, you like there's a lot of legal things uh, like with the dot department of transportation you can only put them in certain places and the landowner you do long-term lease agreements and so there's a lot that goes into it but now every month that he's got those signs up he's getting revenue off of that and so eventually i think he told me it takes i don't want to get the number wrong but something between six and eight years to pay off the billboard and then he will be able to just in perpetuity have uh, basically just his, his lease and then uh, can just keep putting signs on it. So um, forms of ownership. We talked about this in a previous chapter. Key decision for a person starting a business. How are we going to organize this thing? Sole proprietorship, partnership, corporation, or LLC. Each organization has advantages and disadvantages. Choice depends on type, number of employees, capital requirements, tax considerations, and level of risk involved. Smart to seek advice, attorney, accountant, and other owners. I said these exact same things last time. Even though I'm a teacher, I don't really like to tell you what to do. I like to be a part of the pie of people that give you advice. So if you really are seriously thinking about a business and you, you want to do some type of uh, structure that's not a sole proprietor, so you have some type of limited liability, you really should talk to a tax accountant. That would be my first stop. Because I think you could talk to somebody for very low fees to begin with especially if you're going to be a potential client, uh, they would just be able to tell you, okay, this is how you want to incorporate. You know, you want to be either this, it, taxes are a big thing. Uh, and I, I, I'll harp on this for as long as you know me, but if you do a corporation, for example, you can limit your tax exposure as an individual and you can control the flow of that income to you. But if you do an LLC or a partnership, that income is going to flow directly to you. 
and you're not going to be able to limit your income exposure from a tax standpoint. And so, you know, but the corporation does have the double taxation where you pay corporate tax and individual tax. So it really depends on where you land on how you evaluate and feel about those things. Uh, if I started as an example, an LLC in my first year, I did 20 grand, but my next year I did 200 grand, you know, 20 grand, that's not going to jack my taxes up a lot, but 200 grand sure is. And they're going to come and tax the government's going to say, give me that money, you know? And if I haven't, if I've not worked with an accountant to allocate my resources correctly, I'm going to have a bill, a major tax bill that I'm going to owe uncle Sam. And so you've got to make sure that you put enough aside to either pay quarterly taxes or have it ready to go at year end uh, because those can be, that's not fun having to deal with IRS. I, I'm not going to even, I've never had to uh, do anything like that, but I hope I never have to. So um, I actually had a friend who get, got audited though, and his account preparer made an error. He had to pay back taxes and a $5,000 penalty. So yeah, I was, oh my God. So let's talk about business plan briefly. Um, I told you these are, these are available in templates online, also at the Small Business Center. Uh, it's one of the most important steps because it allows you to visualize all these different facets of the business and how it's going to work. You shouldn't open a business and then say, okay, what's next? You should know what's next. You should know like what you should be doing. And this helps you organize your thoughts. The elements, the executive summary, this is your one-page pitch that you can show to anybody on the, plan on the planet and they get it. I get what your business is. I understand by this one-page summary of what you're trying to do. The vision and mission statement, just letting you know, Ryan, this is also in the email I sent out yesterday, just so you have that. Um, company overview, uh, basic, basically a paragraph describing your products and services. Um, products and services. Marketing plan. Um, social media is so huge nowadays, but that shouldn't be the only thing you do. The best marketing is what? What did I say the best marketing is? Word of mouth. So um, when it's political season and you see politicians going around talking to people, that's the best marketing they can do. It's, if they just put ads on social media and never went to talk to anybody, that's not, that's not effective. Going to meet people, talking to people, saying, hey, my name's Ryan Bradshaw. I've got a new business around the corner. Here's a free something. Come see me. Or here's a discount. I want you to come see me, and I'll be looking for you, you know. That is super effective because it automatically programs a positive association with your business. You're out there, you know, like knocking on doors, kissing babies, shaking hands, letting people know. I guess we're not COVID kissing babies anymore, but you get the, you get the idea. You're out there doing the quote-unquote retail politics of your business, getting to know people. Chamber of Commerce is huge in Wayne, Wayne County. It's a great organization. Um, I've had a lot of interactions with the chamber, and we just had a business after hours event out here about a week ago. And that's a great opportunity to network with people. I'm terrible at networking. I'm full, I'm full confession. I hate networking. Like, I'm still that guy in, in middle school standing in the corner at the dance, looking at everybody else dancing, thinking, oh my God, please kill me now, you know? Uh, but I know I need to do it, I know I need to network because it's so important to make those connections. These connections that you make are, and I'm, listen to what I say here, the connections you make through networking are as important as your education. I fully believe that because I've watched people who made good connections get good opportunities. So make those connections, network, make yourself do it. I promise you it will pay dividends. Um, 
marketing plan, we talked about that. Social media doesn't need to be the only solution. You need to be out there talking to people. Management plan, how are you going to run this company? What does that look like? Is it going to be you alone or are you going to have other people involved? Operating plan, what does your day look like at your business? When did the doors open? When did they close? If it's a home-based business, what does that mean? Do you start work at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 5 a.m.? When does that happen? Um, financial plan, what does your monthly budget look like? What are your expenses that you know about? What kind of budget do you have in case like these unexpected expenses arise? You know, if you're saying, okay, my expenses are $1,000 a month, great. So you got, let's say you got $12,000 in the bank for a year's worth of expenses, great. What happens if, you know, this worst case scenario happens? What kind of plan do you have in place for that? You know, most businesses are month to month, just like individuals, paycheck to paycheck, right? And so like, if your business has a bad month, does that close your doors forever? because you didn't have enough money to pay your bills. Yeah, don't, don't put yourself in that situation. As a person that's studied business for a while now, I would say as, if you can afford to not take a payout yourself for the first several years, that is good advice because you can allow that money to be a cushion in case something bad does happen because things will happen, you know, the game of life. And so supporting documents, anything that you've got that adds uh, legitimacy, validity, information about your business, permits, things like that. So financing the business, once the plan is complete, the next step is to obtain financing. Uh, funding for small businesses is difficult because uh, fund, uh, people that have funds know that it's a risky endeavor. It's always best to do it yourself so you don't have to deal with that. You know, like if you've got money saved up and you want to invest in a business, um, you're taking the risk and you're not asking somebody else to take that risk. 94% of business owners raise startup funds from personal accounts, family and friends. So be careful with the family friend thing, right? If you do that, you do it and it, bl it blows up, it could really hurt those family friends relationships. Um, and if I was going into business with a family or friend, family member or friend, I would say this might not work. And this money that we're going together to put in we might lose it and I need you to be okay with that. And if it doesn't work out, I need for our relationship to, to keep going. And so that needs to be something that is fully understood on the front end. And if the person is not okay with that, then they shouldn't go into business together. That's fine. But don't let something like money interfere with relationships. It happens a lot. In fact, the number one uh, contention point in marriages is finances, people arguing about money. So you should have very realistic expectations about what's gonna happen with the money. So two forms of business financing, debt and equity. Debt is when we borrow money to pay for things. Equity is when we sell ownership in the company to usually to use it for funding operations. So um, Shark Tank, we, might, we need to just watch just a clip from Shark Tank. And for those of you who haven't seen it, you'll have people come in to pitch their business idea. And what they usually offer is equity. We want to offer you 10% of our company for $100,000. We value our company at a million dollars. We want to give you an opportunity on 10% of it for $100,000. That's what equity is. Uh, angel investors, individuals who invest uh, their own money, and then venture capital investment firms that specialize in small, uh, financing small, high-growth companies, they receive ownership inter interest and a voice in the management, invest at a later stage than angel investors. So there are companies that all they do is venture, meaning that they are willing to take on high-risk equity positions knowing that some of them will fail, knowing that some of them will be tremendous. And if you've ever listened to uh, people, angel investors talk, like I've listened to people that talked about investing in Uber or Twitter or Airbnb, and they'll tell you, look, I invested in 10 companies that year, nine of them failed, 
but one of them was Airbnb, and it made us a billion dollars for our funds. That you know, that's what the game they're playing. Uh, so, but usually with small business owners, it sticks to that family friend circle. Who knows though? One day you might get to a point where it's time to talk another uh, larger conversation. So, buying a small business is another strategy, less risky. Many of the same steps as starting from scratch. There's a great little restaurant in my hometown, Clinton, called Jennifer's Grill. It used to be um, PTs before that. I think no, it wasn't PTs. It was like it was another two-letter name. It's been a long time ago, though, probably 20 years. Anyway, Jennifer's Grill just sold out to somebody else, and I'm happy for the new owners. But at the same time, I'm like a little sad because we love going to Jennifer's Grill like once every other month or so, and I'm hoping that it stays true to what it does. But um, that new owner. I forget what they're going to call it now. It's going to be something, somebody's grill now. That new owner has a proven system of business. They probably sat down with Jennifer and her husband and said, tell us about your sales. Tell us about your profit. And they went through and, and kind of outlined the way the ebb and flow of how the business work. And then they made a decision. Do we want to buy this business and, give, and basically let Jennifer and her husband retire? So the way that happens is either they have cash or they borrow the funds with family, friends, or other financing, and they will pay the grill either a lump sum or a payment plan, uh, and then the previous owner can go do whatever they want to do, and the new business owner kind of takes that over. So a potential buyer should ask, why is the owner selling? Is there a red flag I need to know about? Does he or she want to retire, or is there a new challenge like health concerns, things like that? Business operating at a profit, um, is, it, is, it, is it making money? How did owner value the company? Is it, is it a fair price? If, if they're doing $100,000 a year in sales, $50,000 a year in profit, is it appropriate for them to ask $2 million for this business? Probably not. That's a little steep. Um, the owner plans after selling. Why, what is the owner going to do when they leave? Provide assistance during the transition, and will customers remain loyal? You know, I'm probably going to be loyal, but... My expectation is going to be high. I expect when I go back to this grill to get the same product and service I've been getting for years. Customers might leave if the owner starts similar business. Uh, protect against by including non-compete clauses. Yeah, that'd be something if Jennifer and her husband went and opened up another stand down the road. So I uh, still want to prepare a business plan to analyze and make sure you're not missing anything and get feedback from a lot of folks because you want to do the market research. You want to know is this something that's viable? Can I be successful at it? And will people support me? So, all right, that will wrap up our, our time on uh, chapter five. If you guys have any questions at all, please shoot me an email. Don't forget about the homework. Um, I did send out an email yesterday. Make sure you check it out. And I'll see you guys after the weekend. Have a good one. Hope McDonald's doesn't make you wait this weekend.